Um, so I'm the Chi Alpha Director at Ohio University in Athens. Um, I work with college students all day long. And that is my context for this, this talk. I'm not talking about college students. That's just my experience. Um, that's how I have uh, forayed into caring about uh, being mentally and emotionally healthy. Um, can you raise your hand if you're here for yourself? Be brave. Okay, can you raise your hand if you're here for somebody else? Like, I know somebody that needs this. Can you raise your hand if you're here for both? Okay. So, <clears throat> just so you guys know, I just came from um, Nicole Shafi's talk on defenseless living, and she did a great job. And part of that is just uh, not putting up a front and just being not keeping people at arm's length. And so just want you all to know that I'm giving this talk out of a place of brokenness myself, where I'm not the healthy one telling you guys how you should do it. Um, I would say, and you're going to get this a little bit better later, um, I would say right now I'm, uh, I've, I'm coming from a place of feeling powerless, um, which is a subset of being sad, I would say. So um, hopefully you'll discover in just a couple minutes how you're feeling and um, that will bring health to you. So <clears throat> I have worked with so many students who were trying to be transformed by Jesus, as they should be, but were continually thwarted by negative self-perception and their own doubt and unforgiveness that they couldn't escape. Um, all of which could have been conquered much more easily if they just had some healthy mental constructs and skills in place. I myself in college was in a place where I wanted to be transformed by Jesus and um, I wanted so desperately for him to break my heart for people and <clears throat> make me come alive and passionate and um, only to find out that I myself was emotionally unavailable to him um, because of my own poor emotional health. Um, so that's, that's where I'm coming from. While I was preparing this, which originally was for students. Um, I spoke at our fall retreat um, and wanted to equip our students with skills and healthy mental constructs um, because they need it. They really need it. And I came across this article um, that I want to share uh, an excerpt from. And it said that people who are mentally and emotionally healthy have a sense of contentment, a zest for living, and the ability to laugh and have fun the ability to deal with stress and bounce back from adversity, a sense of meaning and purpose in both their activities and their relationships, the flexibility to learn new things and adapt to change, a balance between work and play, rest and activity, etc., <clears throat> the ability to build and maintain fulfilling friendships, or sorry, relationships, and then self-confidence and high self-esteem. <coughs> Those sound good, don't they? Ah. These positive characteristics of mental and emotional health allow you to participate in life to the fullest extent possible through productive, meaningful activities and strong relationships. These positive characteristics also help you cope when faced with life's challenges and stresses. Jesus came for us to have life abundantly. This sounds like life abundantly. And by the transitive property, I think that Jesus came for us to have mental, emotional health to have life to the fullest. And so we develop some of these traits and skills naturally <clears throat> as we have a real devotional life, as we live in real community, and as we see our real responsibility to represent Jesus. Um, in Chi Alpha, we call those the three anchors. Um, Chi Alpha. <laughs> <clears throat> you don't need to know that or remember that. But um, what I will say having been a person to not just speak at Synergy, but to attend Synergy for years, I go to breakouts hoping that people will fix my problems. And it's like, give me three easy steps. That's what I want. Three easy steps to mental and emotional health. Just like every other breakout, this isn't that. Um, my sad news is that to do this, it takes really hard work. Um, and it's not hard work that anybody else can do for you. It has to be you. Um, the hard work is in developing healthy habits. Um, 
it's about muscles. It's about mental, emotional muscles um, <clears throat> and building those skills. Um, healthy habits, constructs, and coping mechanisms. Um, so for a lot of you, this may not be anything that you've never heard before. I'm not, I'm not going for that record. Um, this would be jogging your memory. Oh, that's right. I know that. Sometimes it just helps to be reminded, and sometimes it helps, sometimes it really helps to be reminded of uh, grouped things all at once. <clears throat> so let's start with the head. We all have different approaches to processing. <clears throat> so men and women are different. Hallelujah! <laughs> We're different... Has anybody read the Waffles and Spaghetti book? Yeah. I, I don't think I've actually ever read it, but I'll like grab onto that metaphor with all my might. Uh, so if you don't know, the, the Waffles and Spaghetti idea um, is that the way that men and women can think are different. Um, not all men think like waffles and not all women like spaghetti, but uh, how my wife's stream of consciousness can be like spaghetti where Talk, you know, thinking about the bills can somehow lead to laundry, can somehow lead to, um, I have failed her five years in the past. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and in my mind, what? How did you get there? But they, they make good sense to her. It's like, I'm going to jump off of this spaghetti to this one that's going this way. And, and then likewise, my wife has a hard time understanding how I can compartmentalize my life. And so I can counsel a student who wants to walk away from Jesus. And then I can sit down, you know, come home, take a deep breath, sit down and play with my kids and, you know, like make fart noises with my hands and then, you know, do, do something. And she asked me how I'm feeling. Fine. What? That student just, uh, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I locked that away in another. And then there's the nothing box. And people call it different things. Uh, it's not really the nothing box. For me, it's the visual processing box. Welcome to the visual processing box. <laughs> Fully conscious. Not thinking one single darn thought. <laughs> Just looking. Just looking. My wife asked me, we're driving the car, what you think about? Just looking. <laughs> <clears throat> Pain and disappointment come to me when I feel guilty for not being able to think like my wife thinks. I guess I should be upset about that student. I should feel shame for not caring more deeply that this should ruin the rest of my day. <laughs> or I should like, feel like it should. Or <clears throat> my wife feeling shame and disappointment that she just can't turn off the emotion so that you know, her and I can have a nice date night or something. Pain and disappointment will come when we feel like we have to think like other people think. It's not right. <clears throat> Can you raise your hand if you're a thinker? Just, okay. I think this is more thinkers in one room than I've ever had the privilege to be with. <laughs> so I'm a verbal processor. Can you raise your hand if you're a verbal processor? That means I have got to talk it out. Sometimes I'll start saying a thing, and then once it's coming out, I realize how stupid it sounds. And I'm like, did all the processing I need to do. But until I say it, it's like, while it's up in here, that sounds pretty good. Okay, what if? Okay, cattle. No, okay, no, that's wrong. <clears throat> um, some people are experiential. Can you raise your hand if you're experiential? I live with a guy right now that's experiential where we can talk about it and he's like convincing me of this idea and it's like okay Austin let's show me show me what you're thinking do the thing with with this whatever it happens to be and he'll like try and flip it or whatever we're talking about and he'll, you know hits himself in the face and he's like okay it doesn't work I get it but until he flips it for himself and smacks himself in the face it works it works so well if you just think about it it's fun to talk politics with him because there's no way to prove it, and so then we just kind of go in circles. <clears throat> so we're all different, and it's okay. It's not you do you, but it's okay. 
I was writing a Sabbath talk. Yay, commandment number four. And I thought, um, I should get my cues from Jesus. You know, that's a, I hear that's a good thing to do. You should just look at what Jesus did. And so I tried to study how did Jesus observe the Sabbath. And in reading the accounts and reading how he lived his life, where, where I was at with things, I looked at it and I thought, Jesus didn't do this very good. Like, he seems like he's busy all the time. And he's like sun up to sundown. And he never, he's always with people. He's always taking discipleship moments. And I feel like that's what my life is like, where I'm like with students all the time, have one living at my house. And it's like, Jesus ran himself ragged. And then I think there was a point where I felt like I should probably repent because you, you don't say that Jesus didn't do something well. You just don't, you don't say that. So surely I must be wrong. So I need to look again. And I looked again. And I feel like I, I realized something that I'd never realized before. And I felt like it was very freeing. Um, and if you're going to take notes, I mean, you could write this thing down, is that Jesus honored his creation good <laughs> yeah yeah honors okay what does that mean so Jesus knew who he was he knew how he was made and he knew what he needed and then he defended that very ruthlessly when he needed to get away it didn't matter that there was like a whole crowd in front of him he's like the kingdom of God I'm tired <laughs> he just like just left and he took a nap on the boat ride and like okay you guys deal with this I need a nap <clears throat> I'm sure that he uh, observed the Sabbath as a good Jew correctly because we never hear otherwise. So I know that there is proper Sabbathing happening, but as far as for me to learn how to do it myself, um, that's what I learned from Jesus, is that he honored his creation. He, he took what he needed, and we need to do the same. <clears throat> Eventually, these will all like wrap together. We have to level up from our 1.0 skill set because <clears throat> the, human, the human mind, our brain, is the most complex, sophisticated, intricate mechanism in all creation. And like, we don't even understand it. We have like neurosurgeons who can do some stuff, but then other people, you know, wake up from a coma and they're like, uh -huh. don't, don't know. <clears throat> And so just thinking you're an extrovert or you're an introvert is too simple as to, which by the way, just college students, they totally wear these labels. I'm an introvert. I can't do that. I'm an introvert. I need to go take a nap. I'm an extrovert. Hi. Hi. Where's the trombone? When what is really happening, I think there is such a thing as introvert and extrovert. I don't think it's what they think. I think the introverts are hiding their insecurity and their, um, let's see, their insecurity and their unsureness. Is that a word? Unsuredness? It is now. <laughs> I'm unsure and I'm insecure. Therefore, I'm an introvert. I believe God made introverts, but he did not make people to be insecure or unsure of themselves. When they're, when they're introverts, it's they need to recharge in solitude. Jesus did that. When they're an extrovert, they want to spend their energy around people. <clears throat> Extroverts will use that label to be obnoxious. You guys don't have a trombone on you, do you? Because <laughs> I don't play the trombone, but I will do it willingly. <clears throat> so we have to level up from our 1.0 mindset. It's not just binary, introvert, extrovert, or man, woman, waffle, spaghetti. Even the other things that I said, the um, verbal processor, thinker, ex experimenter, that's just three. It's not that either. <clears throat> so we have to acquire skills that are above a 1.0 understanding. And I told you that the, the hard work that you're going to have to do is in the work of acquiring skills. Let's see. Let's do it now. Just making sure I didn't put it in my notes for later.
I'll see it now. So um, xabobcats.com, if you want to pull that out. <clears throat> Huge part of this battle is just a matter of um, knowing yourself, honoring your creation. Step one is just knowing how you're feeling, knowing what you're thinking. <clears throat> I told you that uh, I wanted so desperately for Jesus to break my heart, and I wanted to get close to him, and I wanted him to break my heart for people, and I was emotionally unavailable. Um, the way I would describe it to the guy who was discipling me was I feel like I went for, you know, a water break and I came back and the door was locked to my emotional control room. I could see in there. I just couldn't get there. I couldn't feel anything. <clears throat> and so even um, post-college, I moved to Mexico for a year. After Mexico, I moved to Washington to do my Kyle internship. And it was during my internship year that my internship director um, showed me what I'm a baby version of what I'm going to sh share with you today um, is an emotion wheel. And it just had some basic emotion words on it. And he would say, how are you feeling today? And in, in the beginning, I'd say, good. Feeling good, Michael. Or bad. I no like. And I just felt like a caveman. I couldn't explain how I was feeling, just basic good or bad. And so he helped me with this. So if you go to um, the drop-down tab under the resources page, <clears throat> it's not necessarily mobile, mobile friendly or whatever. So if you want to see how beautiful it is, you know, pull it up on a computer. But um, under resources, you'll scroll down um, to the end of the discipleship section. But you guys are free to come here and use these tools anytime you want. Uh, they're not all mine. Emotion wheel. That's what we're looking for. And it should just pick up, um, pull up an image of a wheel, a color wheel. I don't want to teach you guys how to use this. Um, I use it frequently. So you start in the middle, okay? And there are just maybe five, five or six basic emotions. So right now, if you would do it, if you don't have, um, have it pulled up or have a phone with you or something like that, just look on somebody around you. Um, or do it after them. So you look in the middle, you figure out which one of these describes me the best right now. <clears throat> That's where I was. So then you follow that color as it radiates out to the inner wheel or the, the middle wheel, and you pick which of those helps you refine how you would best describe how you're feeling. It's not perfect, but it, it takes you far away. And then you follow all the way out to the outer rim, which is the most specific. If you follow the sad to the despair, you can find powerless on the very outer rim. And I told you guys that I was feeling powerless, and I felt like that was the most um, accurate word that I could use um, to describe my, my sad, my bad feeling. <coughs> Did you guys all find, find one? Does it, does it do, do it justice? Do you feel like it, it's like, yeah, that's me. Does it feel good just to, just to peg it? When I, when I figure it out, it feels good just to ah, have, a, have a title, have a, have a label to stick on there. <clears throat> Especially when it's like I'm feeling ornery, but it's like it's, it's more than ornery. I'm feeling, I don't know, out of control or something like that. It's like, yeah, I'm out of control. Give me a trombone. <laughs> And at that moment, I pull a kazoo out of my back pocket and everyone fears for their lives. So, this is a resource to you. In the beginning, Michael gave me, my internship director gave me a very basic wheel. And it had, I don't know, like 10, 10 words on it. And as I got good at identifying those, even without it, um, eventually, probably halfway through, he upgraded me to like big boy emotion wheel which was different than this, but it had like a hundred different words on it. And then I was like, okay, I feel like a caveman again. Um, but eventually I learned to have a, a bigger vocabulary when it comes to emotions. So let's talk about some of the skills um, that you need to acquire to pump up your mental health game, emotional health game. So the first one is taking thoughts captive. And it's a scriptural idea. Um, <clears throat> we tear down strongholds 
and demolish every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's a paraphrase. I think I got it close. But we tear the stuff down by taking thoughts captive. We make them obedient to Jesus. <clears throat> if Jesus would not be okay with this, then I'm not okay with this. Um, I teach my students. Um, I'm going to dissociate myself from Michael Vick. But uh, if two dogs are in a dog fight, which one wins? The bigger one. Thank you. It's the one that you feed. The dog that you feed always beats the dog that is starved. And so as we take thoughts captive, as I feel and think negative thoughts about myself, if I, if I dwell on that and think on that and, and even go so far as to say it out loud, <clears throat> I'm feeding into it. It's going to get bigger and bigger, and it's going to steal and swallow my joy. That thought is not going to be obedient to Jesus. The kingdom comes as God's rule and his authority is acknowledged and honored. And so anywhere that what Jesus says goes, his kingdom comes. When what he says about me goes, then his kingdom comes into my mental, emotional state. <clears throat> when we choose to side with the lie, we push his kingdom out of our lives. We can't, because we're inviting unhealth. So types of thoughts you need to take captive. Um, lies. Lies! lies like, this is just how I am. I had a student who was like beginning to crawl out of depression and anxiety and just a whole bee's nest of lies. <clears throat> and her parents were, I th think, against her involvement in Chi Alpha. Um, they weren't like a religious family, really. And I mean, he even texted me one time. It's like, you and your brethren need to stay away from my daughters. That was like the closest I've ever felt toward persecution, where it's like, <laughs> brethren. I don't even use that word. <clears throat> but I guess what I found out is what he told his daughter was, we're just depressed people. That's, a, that's what we are. And you're never going to be anything more than that. And you need to stop pretending you'll never, you know, these people aren't going to help you, even though they say they are. And things like, it's like, wow, what a bag of cats. Like, to believe that and then to teach that to your daughter and like, so we have to fight lies. This is not all you ever will be. This is not as good as it gets. It's not, your best days are not behind you. Um, God has made you for more. These are things that you need to believe and you need to take captive, hogtie the lies. Another thing, another type of thought you need to take captive is inner vows. Has anybody ever heard of an inner vow? That was like a novel concept to me. Um, Things that you promise yourself, tell yourself, I will never be like my father. I will never let somebody hurt me that way again. And it's a promise that you make to yourself. It goes down deep. And you don't even know that you're, you're obeying it, but you obey inner vows. <clears throat> and you need to take that thought captive and you make obedient to Jesus. Jesus, I will be whoever you say I should be. Other healthy habits that you need to um, develop in memorizing scripture. God can't pull it out if it's not in there. The Holy Spirit brings it to our remembrance. He doesn't bring it to our never heard it before. I like to say you give God ammo. So even if you just read it once, the Holy Spirit can bring it back up. If you memorize it, he can bring it back up a whole lot. Um, I know people who like scriptural affirmations. Um, which is, I think, their, word, their term for scriptures in the first person. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It just has a little bit more whammy, I guess, when you can say it about yourself and bypass all the thoughts of, well, that was for Israel, or, you know, that's not applied to me, or like, neither height nor depth nor angels nor demons nor anything in all creation can separate me from the love of God. Yeah! Like, what, whatever it takes beat down the lies. Positive self-talk. Healthy habits is w what we need. And that's what, those are the muscles that you need to get good at. And you'll find as you get good at these habits, having scripture right there ready, ready to speak out, um, choosing to say what is good and right about yourself, choosing 
um, to declare out loud verbally your allegiance to Jesus and what he says about you. There's that song right now, the worship song, I am who you say I am. It's like, yeah. <clears throat> but as you do that, you have it for other people. So when I have students who come and like, they say, you know, I'm just a, I'm just, you know, I'm too introverted for that. God, you know, God can't use me in that or he would never ask me to do that. That's too far outside my whatever. I've got a whole lot of positive thoughts about myself. Also apply to you. You are who Jesus says you are and you can do way more than you can, than you ever thought you could do. God can do way more through you than you ever thought or imagined. So this is more than just for yourself. Um, I will say, it's like, um, not a warning label, disclaimer, disclaimer. Um, I won't say it super fast at the end of a commercial so that everybody can understand. Um, there is such a thing as mental illness and disorders and things like that. What I'm talking about is totally other than that. Um, I'm not a mental health professional, so I, I'm not even going to pretend like I, I get that. What I'm talking about is just normal, everyday stuff that everybody experiences, whether you have a disorder or a disability or uh, a diagnosable anything. <coughs> um, you can quote me on that part. I will say um, in another <coughs> article that I found, <coughs> um, as far as medication, um, in 2013, 24.5% uh, of college students were on psychotropic drugs for anxiety and depression. And I seriously doubt that there's 24.5% of people who had um, physiological disorders that, um, that could not have benefited from constructive coping mechanisms and mental self-constructs. Um, another thing I'd like to say before I leave from the head into the heart is um, about labels. So introvert, extrovert, things like that. Um, <clears throat> labeling yourself um, is a very powerful thing. Labeling others is a very powerful thing. Um, <clears throat> in college, I had a roommate, uh, not the roommate that some of you guys saw before we started, a different roommate. Um, he came from the theater background that was, you know, all through high school. He was in the theater program at the beginning of college. God got a hold of his life and transformed him. And, you know, he eventually came out of that because it wasn't, it wasn't good. Um, but he had a lot of friends from theater life, um, the old theater him. And there was one guy that he would talk about and he called him Gay Patrick. And he loved him. This was a guy that he liked. They were friends and they would talk and stuff. But I remember one time just not feeling right about it. And I, I finally, I think, put my, my finger on it. It's like, you can't keep calling him Gay Patrick. The more that you label him, that's all he'll ever be. And he needs to be so much more than that. That's not who he is. That's not what he is. Even if that d would describe him, we can't label. You can just call him Patrick. I know who you're talking about. Just call him Patrick. <clears throat> and so as we label ourselves as, I'm just a youth pastor. I'm just a lay person. I'm just a volunteer. Sometimes that, that's okay, but sometimes um, there's a thing called prisonization. Um, prisoners act like prisoners in prison, and then they get out of prison, and they continue to act like prisoners because they see themselves as prisoners, and so they return to a life of crime. They, they intimidate people because that's how you live in prison, so I hear. Um, a sinner who never learns that Jesus had made them clean would continue to act like a sinner. I'm just a sinner. I know that there are people who go to 12-step recovery programs. They never get to that point where they see themselves as other. Um, and so they continue to act like a broken, hurting person. And so we need to label ourselves as what we are. We are children of God. We are washed clean. We are <clears throat> diamonds in the rough even. I mean, just whatever you can, whatever you can really believe about yourself, this, even if it's low-hanging fruit. So labeling is important. Let's talk about the heart. <clears throat> um, if you wrote down honoring, crea honoring your creation, the other one that I would um, say maybe take a note would be emotional distance. Um, 
Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Does that mean lock up your heart in like a Jesus chastity belt or something? That's like the key that only he has? I don't think so. <clears throat> I think it means monitoring your emotional distance. So, what time is it? What time is this over at? What time? Two. Two? Yes! Yes! Okay. We have a little time for a trombone solo at the end. You guys are all, I'm really amping up the trombone thing. and I don't know if I can come through for you guys. Okay. So I talk to students often about hearing the voice of Jesus. Everybody wants to hear from God. Everybody, like, we teach them God speaks. God speaks. God has so much that he wants to say. He never wants to stop talking to you until the test. He doesn't talk during the test. But then he wants to keep talking again, and students are like, where is this voice I keep hearing about? I want to hear him. How do I hear him? And so I talked to him about um, the heart shadow is what I call it, the heart shadow. So uh, mm, imagine. <laughs> okay, so imagine the sun, okay? We're going planetary. Imagine the sun. Imagine the earth. Imagine the moon. Hopefully you guys get that. If Jesus is the sun, we are the earth. And then the moon is whatever you want to hear from Jesus about. <clears throat> when you're closer to Jesus than the thing, you can hear him clearly. Jesus, you are closer to me than where I eat for lunch. We're closer than that. We're, 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 we're better bros than KFC. Lord, where do you want me to have lunch? I'm not saying pray about lunch, but when it's more important to you than Jesus is, it's closer to your heart than Jesus is. God, who do you want me to marry? God, I graduate in two weeks. What do you want me to do? Do I do the missions thing or do I do the internship thing? And the closer it gets, the larger it looms in the window, the closer and closer it gets to your heart. And it has become harder and harder to hear Jesus about it. I think people's natural inclination is to push it away. Nothing can be closer to my heart than Jesus. You're kidding yourself. Pretending like what happens in two weeks after you graduate doesn't matter to you. No, I'm fine. God's got it. I don't have to worry. Worryings for noobs. <laughs> and you're like hyperventilating on the inside. It doesn't work. You have to bring Jesus closer. And sometimes people think they look like the same thing. They look similar. So we turn to worship and we dive into God's word. And it's not diving into God's word for an answer. It's diving into God's word to find Jesus and, bring, and spending extravagant time with Jesus and getting away with Jesus to love Jesus more than you love anything. And as you do that, you begin to hear him about the thing that just whizzed by. And now you can hear him clearly again. When it's right in front of you, he's muffled. So what did you say, Jesus? Puppet ministry? Puppet ministry gets such a bad rap. <laughs> I don't know any puppet ministers. Hopefully there's none in the room. <clears throat> Emotional distance is similar. You have to remain closest to Jesus, and you have to monitor everybody else. <clears throat> in dating see this in college. People date, and that person they're dating becomes their everything. And of course, they're not going to be able to hear Jesus when he says, break up. Break it up. Your marriage. The fear of losing your marriage is, is greater than your fear of losing Jesus. And you would sacrifice anything, calling, devotional life, anything for your marriage. So you acquiesce to what your spouse wants, regardless of what Jesus says. He has to be first. Um, people pleasers? Any, any people pleasers? Yeah? Yep. <coughs> Please in Jesus. So you have, to, you have to monitor them. At least knowing is better than not knowing. So they might not be where you want them to be, but at least you know. So who makes you angry? Watch it. Watch that person. Because they're, 
they're in a position to, to grab you and shake you around more than Jesus could. Whose opinion do you value most? They're in a position to sway you. Oh, I feel conviction right now. <laughs> Whoops. Just ran into that. Hey, guys, I have this really cool thing to tell you. Oh. <coughs> My wife. <coughs> Defenseless living. <coughs> we guard our hearts because the wellspring of life. This is where Jesus does his work. Out of our hearts flows our, our love for people. Out of our hearts flows our love for his kingdom. Out of our hearts we act and we live. <clears throat> when somebody else comes in and redecorates, your life doesn't, doesn't look like Jesus would have it look. So we guard it. Um, you don't have to go there now, but another resource that I wanted to put into your hands um, was the link directly below the uh, emotion wheel on our website. It's a gray bar, and it's just a link um, to an emotional intelligence questionnaire. And it was really helpful for me. Also ran into it during my Kyopa internship, realizing how awesome that was. <coughs> I recommend the Kyopa internship. <laughs> that doesn't apply to most everybody, but I mean, it's a sweet gig if you can get it. So. When I first took the emotional intelligence questionnaire, um, it was in like five different um, areas of life, discipleship, um, grieving and loss, um, relationships, there's like five of them. Um, and then based on how you score, based on how you answer, it, you can graph it, graphs are fun. Um, and I learned that I was an emotional infant when it came to and that it, it says emotional infant, emotional adolescent, emotional adult. Like, I learned I was an emotional infant when it came to grieving and loss. I had, nobody in my family had ever died at that point, and I had never just had to go through it. It wasn't that I avoided it or had bad skills or anything like that. It just never, never came face to face. But in that moment, I learned that I needed to address that. And actually, in that moment in my life, I had moved to uh, Washington after moving to Mexico, and I hadn't grieved the loss of my friends. I didn't have any friends because I had moved, every, you know, in the end, every year for the first six years of my marriage, I moved. And so at that point, I was really hurting inside, but I, I couldn't pinpoint why. And I hadn't dealt with that loss. They didn't die, but they just weren't around for me anymore. And I bawled so bad that night, and it brought health to me. <clears throat> so we talked about the head a little bit, talked about the heart a little bit. Um, but again, we're kidding ourselves if we think that's all that there is. There's so much overlap. This is so sticky and gooey and toddler-esque that it's gross. Um, there's overlap. So physical health is a component of mental-emotional health. <clears throat> um, so your diet, exercise, sleep, even just physiologically, you know, uh, melatonin, uh, serotonin, and uh, not epinephrine, uh, and, and endorphins, endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people don't kill people. <laughs> Legally blonde, anybody? <laughs> I can quote it. <laughs> oh, Jay, you're helping me right now. You're helping keep me in check. What's that? No, no, I just, we have enough relationship that I'll, you'll probably have a word to say to me later about it if I go too far. That, that student who lives with me, we have a symbol, and it's this, and he does that when I cross the line almost every day. So I'll make a joke, it's like, and he's like, I'll make a cute little joke back. So. Oh, wow, I actually had the, the Legally Blonde quote in my notes. <laughs> I didn't see that. Um, mood. So that, uh, the article that I mentioned earlier um, had another qu quote that I thought was very convicting. Um, it says, in the modern age, we're obsessed with seeking simple answers to complex problems. 
We look for connection with others by compulsively checking social media instead of reaching out to people in the real world. To boost our mood and ease depression, we take a pill rather than address the underlying issues. This thing is true. It's what I said in the beginning. I want three easy steps and I don't want to have to do the hard work and hurt. So um, mood is another area of overlap where mood is more than just an emotion. I like hangry. You get hangry and it's not just about something that somebody said. It's like, I'm hungry too. And that just makes it worse. Micah with the cookie. So recognizing that more goes into what we think and what we feel than just what's happening. With the spaghetti brains, like, it's not about the taxes, Brittany. You're upset for something else. Help me understand. That, so that, that happened, like, this week. And she, she said something that really hurt me. And... I tried to talk to her about it. She didn't want to talk about it. And I was like, my marriage. What is happening to my marriage? Does she not care anymore? But she recently had a, a, a friend that died. And we hadn't been talking about it. I thought she was, you know, kind of, she didn't know him super well and thought it was, I, th I thought I was done with. We weren't talking about it anymore. But then it burst forth. I said, oh has nothing to do with me and how I feel right now. It has to do with you and your grieving and we need to take care of that and <clears throat> understanding that there's more at work than what we see helps us to look for it and find it. Identity. <clears throat> Identity is an area of overlap. Um, what we know limits what we believe. What we believe drives who we are and who we are drives how we live. So it all starts with who do we see ourselves as, the prisonization that I, that I talked to you about before. Um, habits. Habits are deeper than, than just one thing or another. There's muscle memory that's involved. There's, there's neural relays that happen. Um, it's deeper than just thinking. Has anybody ever said, um, hey, remind me later? Blankety blank. Like, remind yourself. If I can remember, you can remember. Has anybody ever thought that? Am I just crazy? <laughs> if it was that easy, we would all just do it. But a habit is more than just wanting to. It's having systems in place, having support, having all these different things. There's overlap. Um, beware, watch out, be careful of playing favorites with the head and the heart. Some people just take a cerebral approach to how they're feeling. This is is causing me pain. If I cut this person out of my life, the pain will stop. This person keeps pushing my buttons. I need to tell them how I feel and then it will stop. Other people, <clears throat> it's like you need to, you need counseling. You need somebody to help you think differently. No, I just need to give my heart over to Jesus and that will be that. You could, but if your brain is still heading in the direction it always has been, you're probably going to fail. You need both. You can't play favorites. And that includes faith as well. Some people take a cerebral approach to faith. Can you prove to me that Jesus is the Messiah, that he rose from the dead, and that the Bible is reliable? Yes, I can. Okay, that's not enough. I deal with that with students all the time. They can't hold an art. They don't have any arguments to, to stand up against my apologetics. And yet they will not yield to Jesus. Come on, man until they encounter him in worship and they experience the presence and they finally realize what they've been missing their whole life and then it clicks. You need both. Practical application. We need face-to-face -face interaction with people. Similar to what it says, we, we want easy, quick fixes. You need face-to-face -face interaction <clears throat> with people. But not just any people godly people. Ungodly people are not going to help you in this instance, in this sense. So you need face-to-face -face interaction with godly people and not just godly people. Say what? You need face-to-face -face interaction with good listeners. Not all godly people are good listeners. And there is no pain quite like pouring your heart out to somebody and being misunderstood or trying to be fixed. It hurts so bad. I wish somebody just understood how I felt. 
So you need to get face-to-face -face with godly people who will listen and hear and understand. Sensory input. You need sensory input. So you need worship music in your life. Adele is just not going to cut it. As good as she is, it's not enough. I say garbage in, garbage out. What you put in you comes out. And so the people who really like action, you're also putting in violence, and then that's what comes out in one way or another, um, whether it's intimidation or sarcasm or whatever. Um, so I'm not saying you can't do any of that stuff, but you need the positive. Philippians 3.15, for anybody who has a bone to pick with me about that. You can look it up later. That way you can't be mad at me now. <clears throat> um, you need leisure time. Fight me. Disagree? Fight me. You need leisure time. Take a break. I am like perpetually working through this whole Sabbath idea. Um, hence, I was trying to give a talk about the Sabbath and how Jesus did it. Nobody has ever taught me how to do the Sabbath with three young kids. I need a break from the kids. That was not part of the commandment, though, and I don't get it. So if anybody has some wisdom, some sage wisdom, or some time wisdom, or some cumin wisdom, not cubin wisdom, although I will accept it. Um, yeah. We need leisure time. We need time for contemplation and prayer, especially for thinkers. You need time to work it out. Think about the ramifications and any related scriptures and parallel passages and whatever else thinkers need. <clears throat> you need seven to nine hours of sleep because there's overlap with our mood and our bodies. Um, it helps to have a regular schedule. I've learned about this. Uh, so you go to sleep time, same time every day, wake up same time every day, helps your like, body get into a rhythm. Um, winding down, so like lowering the lights before you go to bed or like not being on a screen before bed. I'm really bad at that. Um, we do it with our kids. We're like, okay, kids, get ready for bed, and they're getting ready, and then like they, we turn on the lamp and turn off the light in their room. So when they come in from doing all their bathroom stuff, it's like low lighting, and it's okay, story time. We're just tricking them to sit still for a while and just calm down, and then we put them in bed. Like, love you, angel. They're out. <laughs> So you can do this, you can hack yourself that way as well, just by winding down, <laughs> sitting still. I mean, doing jumping jacks in the living room right before you go to bed is not gonna help you sleep well. Um, engage in meaningful activities. I sit on the couch and watch TV with my wife at the end of the day. I would not call that a meaningful activity. So I need to do better at this as well. Um, so things that give your life meaning, discipleship. You need to be discipling people and teaching them what Jesus has taught you. You need to be learning from other people. Because at the end of the day, you say, did I do anything meaningful with my life? Investing in another human being that Jesus died for feels pretty good. When I die, something about me will live on. <clears throat> um, having a small group that you go where you're known by people and you know people, and if you don't show up, people notice and they care and they're like, bummer. Um, serving people, helping people, these are things that will add to how you see yourself and you feel good about yourself and what you're doing with your life, even if you sell paint for a living. If that's all you do, paint might not be fulfilling. But what you do after you sell paint and teaching, you know, somebody younger than you how to navigate, I don't know, what's something we navigate? Puberty. <laughs> <laughs> Navigating puberty will give your life meaning and it will give a context for Jesus to use you. Is this the best breakout you've been to today? <laughs> if it's not, just sit tight. No. Yes. Before this trombone solo, does anybody have questions about anything that you've heard? Any questions? After you walk out through the door, um, usually people where they work, there's a um, amnesia plane. Anybody's worked ever ever worked at a restaurant? There's that. It's like you walk behind back of house what did I come back here to get? Or like people that's in your kitchen where you're like walk in, you open the fridge and you're like, 
why am I looking in here? What was I going for? And then you walk back past the plane of amnesia, and it's like, oh, yeah, I need that again, and like go back and forth. So you'll walk out this door, and you'll forget. What is something you heard that you're not going to forget? <coughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if we're trying to talk and there's like some big obstruction right here, some guy standing on his chair, if you decided to get up for whatever reason and stand on that chair, your voice is going to be muffled to me. Sound waves will not travel like that. And so I need to get closer to you to hear what you're saying, just like we need our hearts to be closer to Jesus, to hear him about whatever thing he needs to speak about. If that thing is between us, if it's closer to us than Jesus is, it's going to be hard to hear his voice about it. And so rather than pushing that thing away, which is you're joking yourself if you think you can just make something less important, ta-da, it's important to bring Jesus closer and bring Jesus um, to be more important, more dear to you than that thing, if that makes sense. So if the person that you're dating or an important relationship is closer to you than Jesus is, that person has more power to speak into your life than Jesus does. Um, when you're waiting for God to speak and you want God to speak, but he's just not, sometimes you have to make a decision one way or the other, and whatever that is or whoever that is has a say because you've given them a say. What else will you guys not forget? Mm-hmm. Don't play favorites. Yep. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Introverts should thrive, just like extroverts should thrive. Mm-hmm. The time is now 2 o'clock. Um, I'm not in a hurry if anybody has to, anything you want to say to me. I welcome it. Otherwise, go, be fruitful. <laughs>